She's a former public school teacher turned stay-at-home mom. He's a talk show host who's made a career covering politics from afar. Now, Christine Stegall and her husband Chris have chosen a new path forward for their child in Christian education. Join them as they explore and experience this important alternative in education for the first time. Welcome to Making the Leap. I have to say I am always kind of amazed at the viciousness, the name-calling, the impugning of motives, this idea that it's some kind of billionaire cabal right. to give short shrift to the struggling kids and that only the wealthy kids will succeed and thrive. I, I don't, it, it really confounds me because I don't even know how you get there. I don't no. even understand how you get there. Boy, glad to have you here today on Making the Leap. Needs your backup today, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome <laughs> in. Glad you downloaded the show because, ooh, Nelly. The long knives are out on social media. Right? Nasty. It's amazing to watch what is happening and the vitriol that is out there that's really more emotion-based than fact-based, but you, man, it's harsh. Here we're sitting by our, uh, you know, minding our own business, minding our own business here at the Herzog Foundation. <laughs> we, our, our little organization and our little podcast hosted Corey DeAngelis uh, last week, and the the... Well, it was equal parts uh, amusing, and it's also a bit jarring when you look at it all, and we'll unpack it all. But uh, mm -hmm. anyway, glad you're here, and thanks for your uh, five-star reviews and your written reviews, as always, at uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and uh, you Anywhere know, whatever you, you listen to a podcast, yeah. really. So uh, it was a great evening. You know, uh, here's the thing. I guess we'll give you some backstory on the Corey DeAngelis visit, uh, what we ultimately ended up learning. There is a uh, a woman whose name I'm not going to mention because there's really no point in giving her any more time than <laughs> she needs. She is a uh, a rural Missouri Democrat, and she fancies herself a pretty big player in the party. Um, and, a you former know, teacher. Yeah, former teacher. We try not to mm -hmm. talk a lot of party politics here because it's really not necessarily yeah. relevant. Yeah. Um, and both Democrats and Republicans do and don't support what, sure. what our efforts are here, which right. is school choice. Corey DeAngelis is a school choice guy. He is not necessarily exclusively a Christian education guy. And we're, we're doing a show that focuses on, and the Herzog Foundation's mission is Christian education. Right. But uh, Corey is a school choice guy, and we share that mission too, which is whether you, know, you have a Christian-based uh, what homeschool model, mm -hmm. whether you're a charter school, mm -hmm. we've, or you a know, private we've, school, however you want to do it, right? Christian education is one option, as an option in the big plethora of options that exist. I think the thing is, in doing this show, we've tried to have honest, transparent conversations about a whole host of avenues to educate your child, and bringing some of that focus back to what is the role of the parents in no. those choices and how can we advocate for parents to make the best choice it, it is, for them? It was Stan Herzog's hope that Christian mm -hmm. education in particular yeah. would grow. Yes. Uh, that is our shared view. Yes. But we recognize and understand that everybody that consumes right. this may not feel that way. That's all right. Mm -hmm. But we all are unified in one thing, no matter what it is, and that is, at least those of us who believe in alternatives to public education, and that is the parents having a seat at the table and a say. Mm -hmm. Corey DeAngelis, to that end, is probably one of the most well-known names nationally. He works for the American Federation for Children. He's written a book, and he came to the Herzog Foundation. Uh, this individual who lives um, in northwest Missouri, she's garnered quite a social Online. media following. Yeah, I definitely. I see frequent, frequent posts, frequent tweets. Um, I, I see her 
uh, retweeted a lot and I see her reposted a lot. She's a very well-known progressive. She's proudly a progressive. Mm-hmm. She uh, And she's grown a pretty large social media following. And I've actually challenged her to a debate before on my radio show in mm-hmm. Kansas City. Yes. Which she took me up on because she didn't know me and I didn't know her. Um, and it didn't go well for her. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think. No, it did not. Um, I I never. I don't but think you I weren't ever, mean. You, I don't think, I don't so. think you were ever mean. I think you you were pretty. You're blunt. Like I think sometimes people think because you're you state a fact and you don't back down and you're straightforward that that constitutes mean. I think we just live in a culture right now where that is. Uh, but you weren't. You I didn't weren't call names. hateful. You did not. Nope. Mm-mm. I thought I'd let her speak. She. Uh, it didn't go well for her. I don't know if she thought I was just kind of a mainstream media person, mm-hmm. not a talk show host. She didn't. She claims you know she was hoodwinked or whatever. <laughs> uh, but at any rate, I, I instantly became a member of her uh, mm-hmm. excrement list. Yes. <laughs> uh, just just like Corey DeAngelis. So I was moderating the Corey event. She got wind of the Corey event here at the Herzog Foundation and dispatched her online minions to try to uh, basically sandbag the event. Mm-hmm. It's free. We don't charge anybody to do these things when we bring somebody in to talk. And she decided, the, uh, she told all of her winged monkeys on social media, <laughs> go clog up the pipes of the Herzog yeah. Foundation. And isn't that sweet? Isn't that a lovely thing to do? Uh, it really it, makes me, it really surprises me. And I wish people could see the irony in that. Like, I'm not running around trying to um, sabotage anybody else's event. If I don't like an event, I try to be what I consider to be an adult and and just don't go. Yeah. I just don't pay attention. Or I just offer don't an alternative go. point of view. Or go say, hey, create pre- my own event. Do something right. additional. <laughs> go um, do something else. But I don't come at and try to wreck what is in place. So the hope was that she would get a bunch of her winged monkeys on social media to reserve spots yes. so that it would look full and that right. ultimately no one would be able to Correct. reserve a legitimate spot yes. and show up. Mm-hmm. She was not successful in that effort, ultimately. And that was thanks to the hard work of the... Herzog, folks, uh, I think we probably would have had a better crowd, uh, but we still had a very nice turnout, mm-hmm. respectable turnout anyway, thanks to the work of the folks who had to sift through all of um, the, the fake reservations. Uh, but uh, she wasn't done there. The evening, the actual Friday evening that we hosted the thing last week, uh, she decided to uh, call to action, call to arms, all of her you know, many, 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 many social media All followers. followers. Oh, she was going to go to war. And she was going to show us the power of her mobilization effort. That turned out to be eight people standing in the ditch across the highway from the foundation. Eight. Eight With their people. posters. And I think <clears throat> I saw I think I saw a bullhorn. I yeah. think I did see one. Eight people mm-hmm. is all this human being amassed. Uh, and very proud of it, the eight people. She called media. Media came and, and recorded them in the ditch. I never actually saw a news report on it, but... Um, so this is the fictional opposition to school choice, first of all. And what I would like to first say about this is for all the loud voices that you may encounter as someone who supports school choice out there, uh, for those who would scream and yell that it undermines public school and there's this vast opposition to it, folks, that's not, it's not real. And when parents are educated, I mean, I'm, yes, there's opposition to it. It's organized for sure, but we are in far greater numbers than them by a lot. The sheer force of engaged, involved parents who want what's best for their children will win this battle, and they know it, which is why they thrash and hiss and throw tantrums the mm-hmm. way they do. They are out of their minds with rage right. and fear. And ever since that event, I've, you know, I've been doing, I mean, I've been called names in this last week on social media, the likes of which I, 
including people that um, have decided to do battle with me from my own former public school district. I know. Um, that broke my heart. That broke my heart because you are, you're no different than anybody else in that you love this town, love this city, yeah. this area. We chose to come back to bring our kids here. Yeah. And we just are looking for a different avenue. And we want to come alongside people that want a different avenue. We aren't saying anything other than that. We do not like what is happening in some of those public schools, many of those public schools actually, but that doesn't mean we're we're out to do any kind of personal attack or that you're out to do any kind of personal attack. And you have been a really, um, I would, I would say you've done nothing but show love for your former school district or where I taught or, you know, in terms of being glad that you had the experiences you had and it gave you the opportunities it gave you. 30 years ago when I went to high school or roughly thereabout, and I don't know what my high school is like today. No. I can't speak to mm -hmm. it. I imagine it would be a different place than I remember. But I have very, I mean, for, the, for heaven's sakes, folks, and I'm not saying it to brag, but I, I am a, a member of the uh, Alumni Hall of Fame at my public high school. I don't know. Are you going to be for long? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> I'll probably be burned at the stake soon. But I, I say that not to in any way no, brag. I'm not kidding. I right say word. it because yes. I, I did have an extraordinarily positive I had an abnormally positive, lovely experience in my public and school. And you continually run into people, teachers, former teachers, former yeah. um, acquaintances, former friends, who, whether or not they agree with you on this particular issue, yeah. you have a great rapport and connection with them. I love them dearly, yeah. and I care very much uh, about my time in school, and I care for it a lot. Uh, but what's interesting now is a lot of people, I guess, that either knew me who um, won't come forward with their own name. With an actual name. <laughs> yeah. They're hiding in the shadows yeah. and they're coming up with their little online digital pseudonyms. They're, they're attacking me as a hypocrite uh, who's declared war on the very public school that I used to attend and I benefited from and all of this. Yes. And it's just so preposterous because as we've talked and as anybody who actually understands what school choice is about... It isn't about declaring my high school or any public school a bad place. It's about giving the parents the decision as to whether or not they'd like to stay there or go mm -hmm. elsewhere. That's all. And right. to me, to me, when you react with such vicious, you people that oppose this react with such viciousness and say things like, you're just trying to destroy our good public schools, what you're telling me is, what you're really saying is, I'm afraid my public school cannot withstand a choice being given to the families that attend it. And if they're given the choice, they will leave us in droves and we will collapse. Mm -hmm. That's what you're communicating with your screaming and hissing. What you should say, may I give you some counsel? If I'm <laughs> on a school board, if I teach at a public school, you know what I say? Do your worst, yep. Missouri. Do your worst, Pennsylvania. Do your worst, whatever state wants to offer universal choice. We're going to be such a kick-butt public school. That we're not even concerned. Yeah, the families yep. and the parents in this community won't want to look for another option because we're going to do it so well they won't want to go anywhere else. That's not what they're saying no, now, is they're it? they're not at all. And I, I, you know, I think a lot about, I was actually, I've been thinking about this for the last few days. You know, I'm... I loved where I taught. I loved everything about what I did. It is not the same district. It wouldn't be where I'd send my kids now, but if somebody else wants to go and send their kids there, feel free. And many thousands do. Uh, and they totally do, and that's wonderful. I do not have to 
send my kids there. I choose not to send my kids there. I choose to find another option. And so when we can't marry those two and just say they can all exist, we have a problem. Yep. I'm su- I really do think about, I'm grateful for what I have learned um, as a teacher through another uh, Northland district. I adored it. It's not the same. It's nope. not the same. And so I acknowledge, I'm so grateful for it, but I do acknowledge it is different and it has changed and in many ways not for the better. And I know that when I talk to former colleagues who have said, it's different. Like, you, it, no, it's, it's getting tough. It's getting hard. But I enjoy those conversations. They are face-to-face. They are in person. They are with names attached. They are honest. And we might not agree. We might not see eye to eye on every single issue that we're portraying. I, I want a school where there is a biblical worldview that everything um, kind of comes back to or is filtered through. That doesn't happen in a public school. And therefore, I don't want any, I don't want my kids there right now. I don't really want to have our daughter sitting through that for the next four four years. I And so we moved her. Two years ago, we switched her. Um, but to do this with the hate that comes at it and to not acknowledge or to not be able to say, if you want to defend your school, defend your school, defend your district. Tell yeah. them about all the great things yeah. that are happening and t- let it yeah. be. Tell, tell us why your school and your school district is so exceptional and stellar that sending a child out of it to any other alternative would be a terrible mistake. Make that sale, why you know, don't you? I think we're going to be talking to this family uh, later on down the road, maybe in a few weeks or so. But there was a family that came from Springfield. That's a that's a healthy drive. That's probably I think it's three hours away. Oh, it's four, Is it longer? Four I'm terrible. More, with under, yeah, yeah. Okay. So quite a drive. Um, came they to our came Corey event, all Corey the way up to this Corey DeAngelis event, and we spoke with them. And there were, I don't want to talk more about it. I want to wait for the episode where we get to have them with us. But they were very, very specific and intentional about what they needed for their daughter in terms of educational services that were not being provided. She was a public school teacher. And the, and the mom was a public school teacher. Services were not being provided that they needed, and they had to find another option. I am proud to be in a place and to be... Um, supported by and sponsored by a company, an organization like Herzog, who will work behind the scenes to make sure that a mom, a parent, a family like that has resources available to them to get them where they need to go when option A, which would be free and accessible in every po- in every way, was not There was not there. And I know that's, and it doesn't have to be, they have unique situation, but I think when we talk about test scores, when we talk about the gaps that were created just in the last few years with COVID, when we talk about um, maybe wanting our kids in a place where we say the Pledge of Allegiance and the words under God are included and revered, then I think that's just fine. And so I, I really come back to that family that made that trip and, and to know that there were Eight people standing outside, waving signs, acting as if they shouldn't have that choice or option. Really just, it makes me sad for those people more than anything. I I don't like the attacks you get. I don't like the attacks that individuals get. But it makes me sad that those people can't just say, yes, you should have. that, That little girl from that family should have the same options that everybody else has access to. Yeah, what is a rural, I mean, this woman who uh, comes from a small, smaller rural school district, the, the argument is, and we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. um, and, and rural Republicans 
not just uh, oh, and not just rural Republicans, uh, urban Republicans. I mean, well, yes, um, that goes without saying. Yes. There are, but I, I say rural Republicans in particular will say, and they'll have people come to them and say, "Our whole community will collapse if school choice becomes a thing," because again, it's that it's that presumption that schools will fall apart, that everyone, if given the choice, will flee. Mm-hmm. And I, you base that on what? Why do you say that? Why do you, if you're so supremely confident in the superiority of your teachers, your faculty, right. your curriculum, your school, then what you really in the don't, world are you frightened right. you of? You do not have anything to be worried about. But, and that is your option. And a lot no. of the rural schools, honestly, and it's something that we do um, advocate for when we have the chance, there there just aren't as many options available. So when one pops up, like it doesn't like it is going to in Cameron, Missouri, and we've talked to the ladies that are founding that one, great. But are they going to shut down the whole Cameron school district yeah. by offering a, a yeah. school in a church building with? Right now, I don't. I think they said they had like thirty something kids. Or these homeschool pods. Right. The, the, the women and no. men that have been leading home no. teaching, home based no. education. Are they going to shut down no. the public school? They're just not. And. I was glad at that event. I will say I really always like at these events where we have audience participation because yeah. it's awesome to hear from people that that can say, I don't understand this term. Can you help explain it or define it? Because I think that's what I really would prefer. I would really prefer some of these people that whether whatever side of the political aisle they fall on, I'd rather them come and listen and think and then go back and take that information rather than just spout things off that, you know, you shouldn't be advocating for this or, you know, we have to make sure that we back our our, our schools and our communities at all times. I, I just feel like I can support the small town football team where we are and still send my daughter where she is. And I feel like the world is not going to spin off its axis if I do both those things. Yeah. I think it's okay. Yeah, it's not incompatible to, to mm-hmm. support your, your community. And even support the school in your community, right. but but not choose that for your child's education. You right. can do both. No. Okay. Um, let's put something else to bed. Here's something else I'm hearing consistently. Um, we're again, we're very proud to be a part of the Herzog Foundation. Uh, we've not hidden or made any bones about the fact that Stan Herzog was an exceedingly wealthy human being. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a lot of money, and he had a lot of resources. And in his death, he willed those resources and so much of his money to helping build this foundation and mm-hmm. create platforms like this so that we could talk about school choice. I don't run from that or hide from that. I don't run or hide from the fact that we uh, would that there are people in this building that would make livings uh, from Stan's fortune uh, as we spread this word. But there's this implication that because you advocate for school choice, you're advocating for some unseemly for-profit multi-millionaire mustache twisting mm-hmm. <laughs> that's also absurd yes. um I, i've heard well you know you're paying for your daughter to go to this for-profit school and it's the a for-profit so, school and the school is separate from herzog anyway any of these schools are separate from the herzog but what Foundation, is what is for-profit for schools okay, let's talk about what is a for-profit school mean and i don't exactly? i couldn't even <laughs> What does I mean, it mean? I mean, I don't I don't mean to be glib and I'm not trying to dismiss that, but when I look at how intentional her school is or any of the other schools that we've talked to, how intentional they are with their money, I would I'm gonna go out on a limb and I, I guess it maybe is a little bit sarcastic. 
I don't see a whole lot of profit. Yeah. I see a very specific stewardship of money. There Razor isn't, thin margins. Right. Teachers that are not making anywhere close to what a public no, school teacher no. is making. No, I, I told you. I mean, we've talked about this before. I spoke with a superintendent of a school. Um, you know, like, what would it look like to come work for school? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, take whatever you made in public school and basically cut that down by about 40%. And I think that was probably being generous, quite yeah. frankly. And to, so these teachers are coming intentionally to work in a place where they're making a fraction of what they could make in a public school district. They're coming because they have, if it's a Christian school environment, they're coming because they have that belief, that that desire to um, to kind of work in that capacity of, um, of, of being a Christian, of spreading a God's word, of sharing in God's greatness. That kind of, I think that's, that's what it's about. But there's nowhere that I see this big profit, you know, where they've got all this extra money. I, I actively work to help raise additional money so we can build classrooms, so we can maintain class size, so we can offer some opportunities that the school has deemed important. Every school has the opportunity to do how they want, but I, but I ta- we talk to these schools that have 20, 30, 40 people. I wouldn't call them for profit. And I also take a lot of issue with the people that um, act as if we're up here because we have the resources and ability to send our daughter well, to a school. Yeah, I was gonna, that was <laughs> that was going to be my next thing. Let, I, let's talk about this notion that uh, oh. only very, very wealthy Thurston and Lovey Howell types are sending their kids <laughs> to private Christian school. That's preposterous. I, I don't mind telling you right now. I've said it on my radio show. I'll tell you right now. Uh, it's going to cost us roughly about twelve grand. Uh, a year, a year mm-hmm. to send our daughter through uh, a year of her Christian school, twelve mm-hmm. grand a year. Now I don't remember the math, but in Missouri, uh, what are they? Do you remember what they're spending per pupil in Missouri right now? It was it was very equivalent to that when we were looking when we were talking about the facts. I think in Missouri, which is one of the lower ones, yeah. so I will acknowledge that too. Um, I think they're spending. I'm going to say. Uh, anywhere, depending on the school district, eleven to fourteen thousand yeah. dollars. So I, there is, we're we're in that comparable so, range. So again, we've explained this before, but I, and again, I know for homeschoolers it's a different deal, but it's, right. it's really not in this sense. And I, I talked with um, uh, the auditor of uh, Missouri Today, and I said, you know, I, I hear people say, well, well, you're just talking about giving money away to people. You know, so there are a lot of people that don't even pay taxes. What about them? They don't even pay taxes. Why should they get them? Because they're already getting it. The state is spending money. Every state in the union has... Ne- I, I would defy you to find a single state in the union that is spending less money this year than they were last year or any year previously mm-hmm. on public education in their state. Every taxpayer is paying into their state's coffers, and every state legislature has spent far more money this year than they did any previous year on public education. Right. Fine. So take that per-pupil dollar and say to parents... Here's what we spend on kids. You spend it your way. That's all we're asking for Christine and me. Uh, we're not rolling in dough. And if we were able to take what Missouri allocates every year to uh, Anna, our, our <laughs> one daughter, and take that money and apply it, it's basically a wash. It covers mm-hmm. it, and that's what we chose. But we could also say if we wanted... We're happy with our private school in the community. Yep. We'll send her there. We're not. That's our choice. Mm-hmm. Same for homeschoolers. You want that money. Now, I know we get into the right. That's a whole different. Strings I think that's a whole different. That's a different deal. Yeah. But this fundamental discussion of, you know, the wealthy can already afford to go or whatever. Well, then why? I mean, if that were your argument, then why wouldn't you want 
to allow those who don't have the money and the means to, to get out of there. It. Right. I, it, this comes back to a total and complete fear of being competed against. Mm-hmm. And, and they, you, it, there is nothing like it in anything we do in this country, from restaurants to appliance sales to barbers to you pick the right. service. You have an option and the, a choice. Yeah, pick the good or service in the open market today. There's nothing that we treat like school. Well, I was actually, I was, as you said that, I was laughing. I was thinking about our conversation about coffee shops in yeah. our town where we have three coffee shops, not counting the I don't know, five different gas stations or six gas stations that have a coffee option and everybody's kind of married to their their choice, but we have them. And while there might be an, you know, kind of a surge here or a low point here and sees, you know, we we have this space in a small town where we live, we have the option to have all those options and yeah. we all can figure out and choose what we want, what works best, make our decision where we want to go, and everything is okay. Like, it's okay. Yeah, in fact, it's interesting because, um, you know, for all the years that I've talked about the economy, when you're talking about the economy, you know, you know what's funny? Um, you will often hear um, what I would call populists talk about okay. small-town America and the small-town mom-and-pop shop. Who gets crushed when who comes in? Walmart, right? Walmart, right. the big box store comes in and squeezes the little guy. And, Truth to that. But mm-hmm. in, in this scenario, public school is the big box store. Right. And right. In, 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 you and I were talking about coffee shops. Mm-hmm. There are two little coffee shops in our community. In came Starbucks. <laughs> Those two little coffee shops were minding their own business. Starbucks came in, and there's a lot of people that go, but there were also a lot of people in our community that said, we're going to stay with the little independents. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I don't know if ultimately the economy of our little town can sustain right. three coffee shops, but none of them said, well, uh, you know, we, we are the only game in town for coffee, and they can't exist. It's just, it's preposterous that yeah. there are people that have the attitude that uh, parents having a choice for where they want to send their school kids for school or keep them at home uh, somehow means that they'll be unemployed and the school will disintegrate. Uh, it, but it's a viciousness. I, I have to say I am always kind of amazed at the viciousness, the name-calling, the impugning of motives, this idea that it's some kind of billionaire cabal Right. To give short shrift to the struggling kids and that only the wealthy kids will succeed and thrive. I, I don't, it, it really confounds me because I don't even know how you get there. I don't no, understand how you get there. Creatively. I don't either. And I, I just, I resent it. I think about the people that we know that are choosing to either start schools or go to schools and they're working hard. We've to, talked to these people. To make, to make these options accessible and viable, whether they're starting a school, whether they want to go to a school, um, yeah, go, scholarships go and, available. Go back and yeah. watch some of our previous shows, please. If, you, if you're watching this or listening to this for the mm-hmm. first time and you've never listened to any other show, go back and listen to some of the people we've interviewed starting schools with nothing. And then what I love is that there is an organization like Herzog that can come alongside those schools and start saying, let us support you, not necessarily with money, but with training, with resources. education, with resources, with toolboxes. And I, I just think Mentors. those are massively important. And that is what the design is here. And in doing that, we are saying if your school that you live in, the district in which you live, is not serving you, this is what you can do about it. That's all. 
There's nothing more or less to it. But I, I don't, I do not support, and I think it is just arbitrary words being thrown around when it's talking about private school options are for elitists. They don't say the homeschools are for elite, <laughs> for elite family. They say the private schools because we're the ones that are paying taxes to the public school and then paying, you know, tuition to the private school. And so I really, that that is where I just kind of, I want to start screenshotting all those things and saying this isn't, this isn't even a true statement because that's not what we have. I think all the schools around us, the people that we've interviewed, really are pulling from all different walks of life, all different family setups, all different backgrounds, all different income levels. And so I don't think it's fair to go ahead and say, um, you know, only the rich can afford it. That's not true. Maybe it might be true to some extent in some areas, but I just don't think that's true everywhere, you know. There was a representative who came to this uh, I think he was here for the, for the grand opening. Yep, I think that's what it was. Uh, he's a Republican in the Missouri legislature. He came here. He sat at our table. He uh, shook hands, was smiling, bread, smiled, happy. Yeah. Yep. He tweeted today, I graduated from a public high school and then went on to get a math degree from uh, the college in the state. I'm one of the youngest state reps in Missouri. Lots of political operatives and lobbyists get paid to denigrate public schools as government schools. Republicans giving up on universities has been disastrous, yet here they are planning on doing the exact same thing with K-12 through public education. To which I asked him, does that mean then when I met you here at the foundation and you came here and you smiled and you slapped backs, were you lying? Did you never intend to support mm -hmm. school choice? And that's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not mad at you. Just mm -hmm. be honest. Be transparent. Don't mm -hmm. act like you support school choice and then... Right. Lambast. But then that, you know, that brought out, um, and I kind of wanted to, the reason I bring that up is because I wanted to share with you some of the just kind of nasty, vitriolic responses. Um, somebody said the thing ghouls like Chris Stigall don't understand and never will understand is community pride and fellowship are a big deal. This guy went to a big suburban school that rallies around their school. Just imagine what it's like in smaller communities. You know, then you get other guys jumping in saying, yeah, he came from a small town. He came from Richmond, Missouri, which is true. I was wondering, yeah, and he yep. knows, he knows what it would do. His claim is um, uh, you're smart enough to understand how vouchers would decimate the public school system and hurt the poor. You don't care. It, I, I, where do these people get the notion that this, Giving parents the choice, right. <laughs> giving parents a $12,000 check to say, send your child where you'd like, w whatever that child's uh, income uh, stability at the house. How is that disadvantage to the poor? It's not. And when we talk about disadvantage, you want to talk about disadvantage. I think if we started pulling all the different um, results from all the state tests that have clearly showed a complete decline, that's where the disadvantage is in these places that have these big gaps that they have to now fill. I bet in schools across the country right now, as teachers start coming back and they start having trainings, they are going to be addressing what can we do to improve our test scores? What can we do to reach students? What can we, you know, they know that they have things they have to fill in, places they have to fill in. Um, I don't know how many times as a teacher I heard the word, don't let a kid fall between the cracks. Don't let a kid fall between the cracks. And that, us choosing to send our daughter elsewhere where she can pray openly with her teachers, with her classmates, does not change or hurt in any way, shape, or form 
that public school district that wants to sit there and try to figure out how to close educational gaps because they lost a few points here and there on the math test or the English test. That's not what it's about. For us, I, I think there are places that truly do have failing schools, but whose fault is that? Who's running those schools? Who, what cities are running those areas where those schools are failing? And for, for us to say, you know what? We sent one kid here to this school, we're sending, or two kids here to the school, we're sending one to this school. That is what we are talking about when we get back to the basics. We wanted an, a religious, a spiritual component. It's not offered in the public school. I'm not pushing to have it's it offered in the everybody. public school. Yeah. And off we go. That's yep. it. I'm not out there campaigning and waving my own arms around saying, I want to be able to let my kids pray before. You know, yeah, I, well, that was, one of, that was one of the signs. Our, school our schools are not, not your, your church. church. <laughs> no one's asking for I don't your school to become our church. <laughs> no, I have a church. I'm happy with my church. Here. And now I have a school that has a partnership with our church. And I'm good with that too. This is kind of fun uh, reading mean tweets. Oh, um, I hate. I don't like. I don't. You have such a thicker skin than I do. I private think. schools don't serve all students. They don't provide transportation nor meal programs. Correct. So do public you know who, right. public school is. First of all, um, let's let's just <laughs> pause for a second and talk about what you're implying. Yeah. Public school is uh, a, a, a transportation and food stamp program. Like is that is that the first obligation? Is that is was that the public contract that <laughs> that we would create buses and lunches? No, it's a convenience thing that's offered. And if you choose to leave that, you have your own. Then you have to figure it out for yourself. It's a convenience issue, and it makes things easier. But it's, but uh, but uh, it, it also implies that if you go if you get taxpayer funds back to send your child to the school of their choice, and you're a struggling family, that private schools don't help. Right. They, they do help. I don't know any they probably, private yeah. institution that doesn't help s students who struggle with lunches or clothes. Or, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I know... Transportation might be a little bit different, but I also yeah. know that there are... Those are not... It's not not being addressed. It's but, not but not being discussed. Cho choice also means if, if that is the most important thing as right. a parent to you, a bus and a lunch... If, well, then if, that, and, there, and it might be, go. it might and be. If, if, if that's the most important right. thing going on in your life with your child's education, a bus and a lunch, by all means, right. keep it. Yep. The state would give you that tax dollar and you say, I need the bus and I need the lunch. So Whatever gonna, they're learning, yep. I don't care. I just need the, okay, mm -hmm. I'm not judging you. Yep. God bless you. But don't don't talk to all of us like that's like that our, has to be our standard. Our only not, obligation yeah. is the bus and the, the bus ride and the lunch for God's sake. And of course, would it be lovely if there was a bus that picked up <laughs> our daughter and took her the twenty five to thirty minutes? Sure, it would. But I would also say how many parents I know in the public school system that refuse to let their kids get on the bus because they don't like what's happening on the bus. They send the lunches every day because they don't like what's being served. And again, that is their choice. That is their prerogative. I, you know, I think about the times that I, you and I have talked, like I know a lot of moms as we were raising our kids through the elementary years and into the middle school years, when they switched those buses and our sixth graders were riding with 12th graders, that was crazy town in terms of what all those kids were going to have to endure on the bus. And, and rightfully so. There's a whole lot of stuff happening on those buses and just in terms of conversation. Forget all the extra stuff. That was a thing. And so we, it, yes, 
we had the option to drive our kids to school if we wanted and some parents did and some parents carpooled and they figured it out and they you know they they I guess made a way and if we choose to send our kid we have a school we have a private school that is 10 minutes from our house and we chose to send her to one that was 25 minutes that was the decision that we made when we were looking at including the public school all the options um I think that is what it comes down to, is we looked at what was in front of us and we decided where we wanted to go. And yes, we have the the ability to do that and we're blessed to be able to do that, but we also work in a lot of different capacities to allow and welcome and ensure that other kids have that same ability. And if somebody needed a ride to our school where I take her, I will leave my house 15 to 20 minutes early. I will pick that child up and I will take them on to school and someone would do the same for me. And you want to talk about building a sense of community. That's the point. Um, people that would suggest, well, you know, be, this, be true to your school business because it's good for the community. Uh, no finer a group of citizens and community members do I know than those who are all rowing in the same direction uh, in kingdom education, parents and families who are all uh, singularly focused in the Christian school our daughter attends when one falls on hard times, when there's yeah. a need. A house uh, burns down when there's we, anything, we've right? We've seen all that. We've yeah. seen kids who are struggling illness. financially, mm-hmm. illness, uh, homes on fire. Our school and the parents and the people and the resources at our school come together like I've never seen, more so than I think probably even a public school. But I will say it still does happen in the public sure school realm. And sure that is amazing and so if that is the community that your school has that your public school has that is lovely if you're comfortable that your second grader might be asked to identify his or her pronouns wonderful go for it if you're comfortable that um there's issues on a bus if great i i think that's fine that's fine if that's the community that you want and that's where you want to be okay no problem. So I think we're looking, we do, we are kind of looking at two, I don't want to say they're necessarily separate issues, but, um, well, they're saying our way can't can't, be allowed to happen. Right. We're not saying that about their way. Right. And we're saying we would like to coexist peacefully Mm -hmm. and peaceably. You take your money, we'll take our money and we'll see. And, and then I will get these ignorant comparisons. Someone said, and this was perhaps, this was, the most telling analogy tweeted at me from someone who opposed school choice. They said, oh, so why don't we just give every soldier in the army $6,000 and let them decide which war they want to fight? (laughs) Now, if that doesn't tell you what people who oppose choice think Mm -hmm. about schools and students, I don't know what does that they're soldiers in some sort of army where they must all march uniformly and in a straight jacket. <laughs> Everyone must learn the same. Everyone on the mission in the same yeah. march, 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 march. It's that collectivist crap that it's we want to fight and put yeah. a stop to. If that's where you want to put your kids, fine. Leave us out of it. That's all we're asking. And they don't like that. They will not tolerate dissent. And... Um, which does bring it all the way back to the idea of that's the mentality of the people running these schools. It is why I would like to extract our daughter from it, because when you sit in that, you absorb it and you're not getting anything to counter it. You're not getting any kind of biblical base for anything for your life. And that those kids are sitting there 
for six, seven, eight hours longer when you've got a sports mentality. That is why we would like to shift out of it. And that is why we would like to support those who would like to shift out of it, whether they're wanting a biblical base, a biblical foundation for their child. There's these options. If they just want to be out of some of that um, collectivism, there's options. You don't have to have that Christian piece to it. We choose to. We support that. We advocate for that. But there, that is what I think it comes down to. Because when you're bombarded by that as an adult, it's hard. When you're bombarded by it as a student, I think it actually is more crushing because then that's all they know. And there's nobody to counter that. There's nobody to um, to say, no, that's that's actually not, that's not a true interpretation of yeah. the issues at hand at all. I saw some of that this um, past week. I was at a workshop. I came home kind of with my mind sort of blown by it a little bit. I was at a workshop that I was invited to. I knew a little bit of what I was heading into, but I went because it was a workshop for kind of finding balance. It was for small business owners. It was a local one, I think, put on by a chamber. Um, I had um, a friend of mine invited me and I was like, sure, I'm kind of I'm not, I'm sort of diving back into, you know, quote unquote, a professional world. I juggle a few different part-time jobs to help pay for the school that we uh, want to send our daughter to and college tuition that might be coming and cars and all the things. So rather than expect someone else to do it, I'm the one working as well as you are working. So I went to this workshop. I knew it was going to be um, a little, I don't want to say otherworldly, but I knew there was nothing about it that was a it wasn't a Christian conference. It wasn't any kind of, you know, it wasn't that kind of... It was of, just a secular lifestyle yeah. conference. Yeah, just how to, you know, let's talk about how to balance your day, schedule this, how do you, you know, work here, manage family, do this, that kind of thing. But I was really struck multiple times throughout the day to the point that I, a couple times I kind of was like, I feel like maybe I should leave. But I also, it was such a good way for me to... Um, really understand what our kids do endure during a school day when they have messages that are coming at them that are not, as we have chosen, they're not Christian. They're not biblical. So for example, um, the biggest message I heard throughout the majority of the day was, what do you want for your business? How are you going to get it? Um, you know, how, how do you define success? What do you want? It was all you, you, you. And then the keynote speaker was all about Look at all these things that I've done, me, 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 with no reference at all to um, anything, anything coming from God, nothing coming from God has given me these skills and this is what I have been able to do. Glory to God. You know, God is so good. There was none of that. I didn't expect there to be, but I was really struck by the complete absence of mm -hmm. anything other than well, if I want it, I'm going to manifest it. If I want it, I'm just going to speak it out into the universe. Um, you know, I'm going to leave all the extra, extraneous, the news, all the bad stuff, everything else behind, and I'm just going to focus on me, 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 and what I've done with my life. And that was the keynote speaker. Um, I was in a session where one of the, uh, where the presenter who was, I'm, she was nice, she was friendly. Um, she had been I think she'd been in the professional workplace for a while. She left uh, to stay home with her daughter um, and then came back to it in a different capacity. And she was sharing a lot of statistics about women in the workplace. It was not an event designed for women. It was designed for all people. And so I was kind of like, you're really 
in my head, I'm like, you're really hitting this whole women empowerment thing hard here. If, but in, in my session was just all women. I was like, what is a man here when he's sitting here listening? I don't even know that he would recognize those differences. But she read off a statistic um, saying that you know, with horror, I mean, she was kind of like, as everyone discussed the statistic, they were very saddened by it, that a percentage about 40, 45% of the women, maybe maybe a little bit higher, um, had no desire to be in a leadership role in their company and how terrible and horrible that was. And I was like, what is this message that, we, that we're giving? And I thought, I bet this message is coming into schools, that it's sad that a woman might not want to reach the top leadership role in her business that maybe she wants to take a step back and raise a family and that's okay too and it was just this um, big uh, I don't know what the word is uh, conflict in messages and I think it really really gave me well, it insight an, it was an adult reminder of what our kids, of what our are kids subjected our, to in a and not just our kids setting. but other Christians who are in the workplace in professional capacities yeah. that have to go out and listen to things that are very contradictory to what their personal beliefs are in terms of faith. Yeah, and when you start and to talk hard. about this stuff, you it also brings out, I won't even get into that, I mean, the, the anti-Christian bigotry that comes out. You Which know, I it, actually think might have been on the fringes of this a little bit, but again, and that's where I started to kind of peel back like, um, I turned to my friend actually in the middle of this and I said, do you do you hear this? And she said, oh, yeah. And I think both of us were like, do we go or do we stay? But I, I stayed because I just thought this, this is good, good, good for me to know. It isn't, it isn't just our kids. It is Christians it's a culture. and a culture, yeah. our, our beliefs as a culture that are under attack, whether yeah, it's, it's school a, choice it's a, it's or... It's a self-indulgent yes. conformist culture that has no time or reverence for a creator and naturally when it's confronted and challenged um, mm -hmm. as Satan does mm -hmm. uh, he screams and writhes and causes trouble and conflict and name calls and attacks mm -hmm. and you know as our preacher said um, this is not new to us no. this isn't new to our generation you know we're not I, I, I don't mean to make this show a, a, a big wine fest but I, I will just say we are being met with supernatural opposition to our efforts, whether you're a Christian school, whether you're a, a charter school, whether you're a homeschooler and you don't have any kind of faith in your home at all, um, this is being met with a super, I believe, a supernatural pushback. Well, I went back. Because it's looked, not normal. Right. And I went back. I looked at my notes, actually. And I, you know, some of the, like one of the sessions was, you know, coming up with your goals and how you're going to get there. And, you know, um, one of the things that I think would be most beneficial for me is to kind of restructure some of my time that I spend in um, studying the Bible and devotional time, prayer time, you know what I do. <laughs> and I, I mean, I am 47 years old and I was writing my stuff down and then they ask for people to share. And I'm, I'm very comfortable sharing in general, mm -hmm. but sitting there in that room, I was like, nope, I'm not opening my mouth. And that is when I was just kind of like, Oh, our kids, yeah. our kids, if they have, because I knew, yes, maybe there were other Christians in the room, but there were also a lot of other people in the room that were espousing some things that were not um, in line with my beliefs. I hope if I had spoken up, it would have been met with the same um, acceptance that every other viewpoint would have been, um, you know, every other goal or whatever had been met with. I don't know that it would have. And I definitely was sitting there thinking, oh, I'm just... 
I'm going to just sit back. I'm going to sit back on this. But, but see, it's not. Uh, what's interesting, too, is if you rise up and you go to school board meetings and you challenge curriculum and you say, I don't I don't feel good about this. You're called names for that, too. Mm-hmm. So they don't want us to extract ourselves from it and just say, you do you and we'll mm-hmm. go participate in our thing. That's not good enough. Right. We can't stay and raise our hand and say we object to this because then we're called names. Mm-hmm. So th- there is no right or not even object. Just if I here's my goal, you have your goal. Go- no. I have my thought. I have my you know that. And and my friend was saying the same thing too. She's like, I was just getting myself ready if because a couple times the presenters would just point and say like, want to add to that? Do you want to share? And and she was like, I was trying to get myself ready. <laughs> yeah. And that's gosh, that's a hard place to be in. And I'm generally okay doing it, but. I'm not 12 and 13 or 8 or 16. And wow, what we're, what our kids must endure, it was a total eye-opener moment for me. And it really, and again, we have a kid that we have one, almost two almost, that are about to head off into, prob- into a, a university state school setting. I think they're going to they're gonna hit the same things there. Mm-hmm. And it just really helps to reaffirm for me having these conversations at home, going to prayer first thing when there's a struggle, those kinds of things have to happen first before any of the rest of it, um, just to take in, take the incoming, wherever that may be, whether it's the mean tweets, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a presenter at a conference, wherever it's clearly not aligned with what you're wanting, what is best, what is God honoring, God fearing. Um, it's, it is really coming um, under attack in ways that, I think as parents, we don't always see. No. And it, it really just, I don't know. I, I had a, a friend texted me, just it kind of wrap up for us today, but she texted me, um, a group of us, and said, I'm so glad I have a, a new colleague at work. We've been talking for the last few months, and I've come to figure out that she is a believer. And she said, I feel so good about it because I have to go through a lot within my job being around people that aren't and it shows and the trainings and it was just so nice to have somebody alongside me and that's an adult in an adult capacity and if we can value that as adults we have to find places and value that for our kids as well which is why we're doing what we're doing and offering these ideas as alternatives to what the status quo is. So we we go forward, as we've said, we go forward um, hopeful. Uh, Obviously, in Christ, we don't um, lament and wring our hands and say, oh, woe is us, because, uh, again, people of faith have always been persecuted. It's not exclusive and new to us. It's nothing God doesn't understand and know. But it doesn't also mean that we uh, shrink in the face of it either. Yeah, don't do what I did. <laughs> yeah, we, we ought not shrink. We ought not shrink. And I don't, I'm not going anywhere. I'm yeah. happy to stand in the fight and continue. And I, I do think it's a battle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got I will work hard on trying to figure out how to do it in a kind, Christ-like way. I'm not great at that yet because I've been doing battle mm-hmm. in the secular world mm-hmm. for a long time. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not used to responding kindly to people name-calling. Um, but I don't, I don't want to shrink from it. I'm actually okay. more invigorated, more passionate about it than ever before. So, uh, you know, do your worst, you people that bring signs and stand <laughs> in ditches. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. And by the way, nine states so far have seen it our way. Mm-hmm. I, I think more will come. And I, I'm not going to stop until at least our state changes. <laughs> That's my goal. 
That's my personal goal. Anyway. Thanks again for being here so much. Yeah. Any you know information that you might need, you can always be found in our show notes. We really encourage you to go back and listen to previous episodes. Um, if something today you're kind of like, I want to know more about that, there's always show notes that you can go through. Comment um, on today. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We read emails. All that information is down below if you want to send us an email, comment on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We look forward to that always. And we pray for you. If you have it on your heart, uh, it is nagging at you. You know it's time to make a leap. It's time to make a change in your kid's education. Um, it just starts with one note or message right on Facebook, mm-hmm. one email. I mean, mm-hmm. just reach out, um, do some research, do some prayer. We'll pray for you too. Um, once you've done it, you won't look back and you'll wonder why it took you so long, I promise. Until next week. Making the Leap is a podcast presentation courtesy of the Herzog Foundation. Please rate and comment on the show as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we'll see you next time on Making the Leap.